Hello and welcome back to Efficiency Optimized Unlocking the Full Potential of Multiple Impacts. As already introduced in the last two episodes, through three weekly discussions and debates with European experts, this show seeks to create a narrative about the multiple benefits of energy efficiency and to connect the dots between theoretical applicability and the real-life application of multiple benefits. This podcast is hosted by the MICAT project, which aims to estimate the multiple impacts of energy efficiency via a free, easy-to-use online tool called the MICAT tool. I am Francesco Palmia from ICLE, Local Governments for Sustainability, and I will be your host for the day. In today's episode, we will explore how energy efficiency affects energy poverty and health issues with Florin Funduk from the Wuppertal Institute, who is an expert on the subject. Hello, everyone, again. As a reminder, the MICAT project focuses on calculating the multiple impacts of energy efficiency, as well as the relevance and political needs for tools that quantify these benefits at the local, national, and European levels. The three main categories of impacts that projects focus on are the economic, the environmental, and the societal one. In today's episode, we will discuss how energy efficiency affects two societal dimensions, which are energy, poverty, and health. In order to dig into these two topics, we have here with us Florin Funduk from the Wuppertal Institute. First of all, Florin, welcome to the show. Hi, Francesco. Thanks for having me. Florin, so tell us about yourself and how you ended up working in this field. I've been working at the Wuppertal Institute for Climate, Environment and Energy for more than a decade now, uh, with a focus on how to reduce energy consumption uh, in the overall society and specifically in the residential building sector. And uh, being a, a political scientist by education, I was mostly concerned with the question, what are the right political instruments to actually achieve this goal? And how can we achieve the necessary transformation of the building sector in a socially just way? So I, I came uh, in contact with this, with this topic quite early on. And um, seven years ago, I, I started working on the topic of energy poverty. Uh, being a very distinct issue in the European Union. And um, since then, I've been involved in different projects working on the quantification of energy poverty uh, for ones like the statistics and the indicators, but also uh, was involved in several impact assessments for the European Commission on uh, different directives. So uh, MICAT is basically the logic continuation of this pathway in which we further develop a methodology on how to, to evaluate uh, the impacts on energy poverty by energy efficiency improvements. Thank you. I think we will come back to lots of points you raised already uh, later uh, during the discussion. But firstly, can we briefly, with simple terms, define what is energy poverty? It's the first topic of this episodes. We know that the European Commission Energy Poverty Advisory Hub estimated that one over 10 citizens in Europe is affected by energy poverty. How would you define it and what are the components of this concept? It's, it's an, a simple question and uh, often like always in the science there is no easy answer to that, especially if there's like political topic involved such as energy poverty. 
And it's, it's a very diverse phenomenon across Europe. So accordingly, many states define it in a very different way. But as of recently, we had some um, developments in the EU uh, where they first uh, started to in include a definition in the, in the pertinent directives. And one being that energy poverty is a state where people don't have access or cannot afford uh, basic energy services, uh, which represent a, a decent standard of life. So this is basically a very a broad definition, but it encompasses the, the basic concept of energy poverty. So regardless of the definition, do you think that some groups of society may be more vulnerable to energy poverty? Yes, definitely. Um, energy poverty, while it has different drivers and also different solutions than, than you know, mere income poverty, it is still very closely related to it. So at the core, it is a poverty issue. And we can see, or, or research has shown, that they, there's uh, differences in, the, in terms of who is affected along the lines, which also define who is, who is poor or not. And these are mostly age-related, related to gender, Uh, employment status, so unemployed people are more uh, prone or more likely to be energy poor as well. Family composition, like single mothers or you know single parents in general, but also tenure status. Are we talking about owner occupiers or are the tenants and ethnic identity? So it, it's really we see very similar patterns than with uh, poverty in general. So in effect, it's mostly related to income, though as low-income households tend to live in, in uh, less energy-efficient buildings with less efficient appliances. And also, of course, they don't have the means or the ability to change much about that situation in terms of uh, you know, moving to another place which has higher efficiency or invest in new appliances with better efficiency or even change the, the fabric or insulation of the building or the dwelling they're living in. So with this being mostly an income issue, these households are also particularly hard hit by the current energy price hikes that we have been seeing uh, in the recent years. Uh, so in your answer, uh, you already arrive at the real core of uh, Mikat's project, that is the uh, relationship between uh, energy efficiency and these societal issues. So how can energy efficiency reduce energy poverty? I mean, the, the connection is relatively straightforward. If you have these energy efficiency improvements implemented in energy poor households or their dwellings, uh, then they have to spend less on energy services that they need for living, be it heating or cooking or all these things. So in, in this sense, energy efficiency can really support them sustainably to, to escape a state in which they cannot access or afford these energy services. The crux here is, of course, that these households, as I said before, often don't have the means or ability to make these investments themselves. So this is this particular problem with regard to building efficiency, because we have the split incentives issue, meaning that the owners or like the landlords, if they invest in the efficiency, they don't reap the benefits of reduced energy bills. So uh, very little is done in, in this sector uh, or in these kind of buildings. So. What is needed really is to, to have these households benefit from energy efficiency improvement within a society. We need targeted policies that really uh, try to aim or channel this kind of activity to energy poor households to really have an effect. Uh, let's discuss uh, what uh, the health 
implications of this. Um, I know that you and your team uh, are working on the interface between improvements of energy efficiency and health issues. Can you tell us about the link between health issues and energy poverty? Yes. Um, so yeah, negative health consequences can be um, a result of, of bad building quality, particularly if um, we look at uh, the prevalence of mold in buildings, which can cause respiratory diseases like uh, asthma, but also others. And also indoor uh, temperature levels may negatively affect the health of, of residents and if, if thought to the end of it, uh, can lead to, to death also. So what we're looking into is, is how these aspects translate into health outcomes in terms of uh, asthma cases, uh, but also uh, premature mortality. If we look at, at the number of affected people, there are about 7% of the EU population equaling 31 million people that were not able to keep their houses adequately warm during the winter. Uh, due to high heating costs and of poor housing quality. And this share varies uh, uh, quite a bit between countries, can be not so high like in Germany, but it can go very high like in Bulgaria, where the share is 23%. So there has been research on the effects of uh, being subjected to prolonged indoor cold, uh, which have been associated with cardiovascular diseases, respiratory diseases, and also poor mental health. And in the end, it could also lead to premature mortality. And according to our estimations, currently more than 20% of winter cold premature deaths can be attributed to indoor cold. So there is a real rationale to, to target uh, efficiency actions to the most vulnerable people in the EU. When we look at the asthma incidence, there is also a very significant share of people living in buildings which have a very bad quality have leaking roofs, damp walls, floors or foundations. And these leaks in poorly insulated outer walls can cause indoor dampness. And as a consequence, mold can emerge. So with view to the asthma cases in, in Europe that are associated with mold and bad indoor climate conditions, if we want to put a number on that, there's a, there's a measure that is used, which is called daily or disability adjusted life year. Uh, for background, one daily represents the loss of the equivalent of one year of full health. Dailies for a disease or health condition are the sum of the years of life, life loss due to premature mortality and the years lived with a disability due to prevalent cases of the disease or health condition in a population. For example, in Mikad, we estimated that in 2020, asthma due to indoor dampness was responsible for more than 42,000 dailies in the EU 27. You mentioned a number of health issues, but uh, what are the economic impacts for the people who experiences this illness and more broadly uh, for society? I mean, for people, uh, clearly the economic impact is the most closely felt is that they uh, cannot go to work. So they have a loss of income. Um, this is not something that we quantify in MECAT, but if we look at a societal level, this can be quantified using a measure called value of life years, which is the economic value of premature mortality due to indoor cold. And for 2020, that uh, 
summed up to 8.7 billion euros for Europe. And uh, if we look at uh, the same measure for asthma cases, uh, that summed up to more than 6 billion euros. So this is quite a significant number also in terms for the, for the overall economy. And also in this case, are there divergences in terms of uh, groups of societies who are more exposed to these health issues and do geographic uh, or demographic aspects affect differently people? Well, I think it's very closely related to what I mentioned before in terms of who is, who is more likely to be energy poor, because at the end of the day, it's also something related to income and standard of life. There's some predisposing factors for asthma, uh, which might be obesity, but also age, but uh, also being exposed to, to um, air pollution, indoor or outdoor climate. So in, in that sense, there might be a slightly higher risk in urban areas, but in the end, there's also a, a large part, which is genetically. So we can't really say it's one way or the other, but Definitely, air quality has an impact on, on this. Okay, we, we have an um, overall picture of the issues. How can energy efficiency reduce health problems? As I pointed out before, these health impacts are very closely related to indoor air quality, but also uh, heating levels. So energy efficiency can support households um, to, to be able to achieve a certain well, indoor air quality, or heating level uh, with less means. So if we have programs or policies to support the energy efficient renovation of these buildings, this is really something that can also help to improve the health of the residents. Now that we have dug into the relevance of energy poverty and its relation to citizen health, I would move to discuss the role of uh, the tool developed within the framework of uh, the MICAT projects. Florin, together with other MECAT partners, you developed a set of indicators able to measure the two phenomena we discussed. Can you introduce them? With the MECAT for quantifying impacts on energy poverty, we look at two kinds of indicators, which is uh, looking on the one hand on households who are underspending, and on the other hand, those who are overspending. So uh, underlying there are two indicators which are often used and they're called expenditure-based indicators since they look at the financial side of energy poverty. The one regarding the underconsumption is technically called the M2 indicator and it, it, it defines households as energy poor who spend less than half of the median energy expenditure in a country. And on the other hand, we have the 2M indicator which looks at those households who, who experience a very high financial burden due to their energy uh, consumption. And it is defined that those households who spend twice the share of energy expenditure and income. So it's all relative to the different countries and considers uh, national uh, specificities. And uh, in the Mika tool, uh, what we do is we look at what are the energy cost savings that actually reach households. And we look in how far the savings per household enable these households to achieve a level above or beyond that threshold, which is defined. So that means is the, the additional income that they have at their disposal sufficient to reach uh, an expenditure level 
which is standard in a, in a certain society. So this is what we use as energy poverty indicator. And with view to the health impacts, we look at avoided excess cold weather mortality. So that means if households are enabled to better heat their homes, we look at how many of those households or people will actually not die due to indoor cold. And on the other hand, we look at the avoided burden of asthma due to the reduced exposure to indoor cold and dampness because of these energy efficiency improvements in the residential buildings. So the MICA tool uh, was developed also to serve the policymaking process. How would you uh, explain to a policymaker at the European, national and city level the relevance of uh, this tool and of the indicators you mentioned? Energy efficiency has often been uh, associated merely with Uh, CO2 emission reductions, energy cost savings, energy savings, primary energy savings, and so on. So the multiple impacts discussion really goes beyond that. And I think it can help policymakers also to make a case for ambitious energy efficiency policies and programs, uh, and also justify funding going into uh, inducing these kind of actions since we also monetize these impacts. So at the end, you can have a cost-benefit analysis that is more comprehensive and goes beyond just looking at the mere financial value of energy savings and avoided uh, CO2 emissions. So what the tool can do here, specifically with due to the social impacts, is I think that we give users the possibility to, to play a bit and see what are the, the impacts if I choose to, to design a policy or program in a certain way. So how well is it targeted to uh, buildings with bad quality? How well does it uh, help uh, energy poor households or vulnerable households in general? And what is the impact if I choose a subsidy at that level or lower? So of course, it's not, it's nothing that it's not a real, it's not a model per se. It's not that sophisticated, but it can still provide first indication of how to best design uh, a policy or program with view to social policy targets also. You said that uh, the tool is a simple way to evaluate and the impacts of uh, policies all along their process. Uh, but can you give us some example of specific actions uh, that could be evaluated later with this tool? With view to these Um, impacts, we mostly look at building renovations, so improving the energy efficiency of the residential building sectors. So there are different ways how this can be achieved or promoted by policymakers, uh, starting from regulation on minimum energy performance standards. So there's currently a discussion, for instance, that the, the worst performing share of the building stock uh, will have to be renovated by a certain time. So this is, this is an action that is specifically targeted or aims to support those households uh, with low incomes and, and, and energy poor households, which tend to live in these kind of buildings. Uh, so would you say that uh, the MICA tool would be interesting for uh, evaluating measures at different level of governments? Yes, uh, it definitely is. The conceptualization of the tool is currently very much focused on the EU and national level, but for a very simple reason that 
these are the geographical levels for which we have data available. So it makes it easier to quantify these impacts. But of course, we're also looking at the local level where most of the energy efficiency action is actually implemented. So it should be useful for both and in particular with you to the energy poverty alleviation impacts. Uh, we try to make the approach as applicable as possible also to local uh, policymakers so that they can use it and, and, and really uh, have an idea of what, what their action might achieve. And are there uh, specific countries, regions or cities whose policies are particularly advanced in these regards and that you would uh, use as examples? If we look at um, uh, support programs for building renovation, like tax cuts or subsidy programs, this is something that might have to be designed very differently in different countries for once, because we have different distribution of owner occupiers or like uh, renters. So for instance, Germany has a 50% renting population, whereas in Eastern Europe, we have a lot of owner occupiers, almost 90% in Bulgaria, for instance. So accordingly, uh, these policies to really tackle the issue must, must be designed very differently. So if you have renter societies like Germany, Austria, and so on, you, you need to make sure that the costs, the investment costs for renovations are not passed on to, to the tenants. So not really having an effect on, on energy poverty alleviation or that they are renovicted. A renoviction is, is a, considered a situation when an owner or landlord is renovating a building and then increases the rent afterwards to recover the cost. And those households living in these buildings cannot afford it. So they, they basically have to move out. Uh, so this is a serious problem uh, if there is no safeguard by, by in, the, in the political framework. Thank you for all the wonderful insights, Florin. Uh, today, you helped us understanding what is energy poverty and also what are the implications in terms of health issues. And more importantly, how the MICA tool can be used to evaluate uh, measures to tackle these issues. Thank you very much, Florian. Thanks for having me. And thanks everyone for tuning in and helping us building a community of passionate listeners. To engage with us and share your opinion after each episode, follow the MICAT project on Twitter at MICAT underscore EU or on LinkedIn at MICAT dash multiple impacts calculation tool. In our next episode, we will continue to discuss the topic of multiple benefits in terms of energy and uh, resource management with relevant experts on the topic. Tune in again in three weeks to follow along and until next time, where we discuss how multiple benefits for energy efficiency affects you.